Chapters one to two of Tristram Shandy, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shalifa Valham. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume Two, by Lawrence Stern. Multitudinis imperitae non formideo judicia. Meistamen, rogo, parcanto pusculis, in quibus fuit propositi semper, aiocis ad seria, in seris vicissim ad jocus transire. Ioannis Saresberiensis, Episcopus Lugdun. Chapter 1 Great Wits Jump. For the moment, Dr. Slop cast his eyes upon his back which he had not done till the dispute with my uncle Toby about midwifery, put my mind of it. The very same thought occurred. "'Tis God's mercy,' quoth he to himself, "'that Mrs. Shandy has had so bad a time of it, else she might have been brought to bed seven times told, before one half of these knots could have got untied. But here you must distinguish.' The thought floated only in Dr. Slop's mind, without sail or ballast to it, as a simple proposition, millions of which, as your worship knows, are every day swimming quietly in the middle of the thin dews of a man's understanding, without being carried backwards or forwards, till some little justs of passion or interest drive them to one side. A sudden trampling in the room above, near my mother's bed, did the proposition the very service I am speaking of. By all that's unfortunate, quoth Dr. Slop, unless I make haste, the thing will actually befall me as it is. Chapter 2 In the case of knot, by which in the first place I would not be understood to mean slip-knot, because in the course of my life and opinions, my opinions concerning them will come in more properly when I mention the catastrophe of my great-uncle Mr. Hammond Shandy, a little man, but of high fancy. He rushed into the Duke of Monmouth's affair. Nor secondly in this place do I mean that particular species of knots called bow-knots. There is so little address or skill or patience required in the unloosing them that they are below my giving any opinion at all about them. But by the knot I am speaking of, may it please your reverences to believe, that I mean good, honest, devilish, tied, hard knots, made bona fide, as Obadiah made his, in which there is no quibbling provision made by the duplication and return of the two ends of the strings, through the annulus or news made by the second implication of them, to get them slipped and undone by. I hope you apprehend me. In the case of these knots, then, and of the several obstructions, which may it please your reverences, such knots cast in our way in getting through life, every hasty man can whip out his penknife and cut through them. This wrong. Believe me, sirs, the most virtuous way, and which both reason and conscience dictate, is to take our teeth or our fingers to them. Dr. Slop had lost his teeth. 
his favourite instrument, by extracting in a wrong direction, or by some misapplication of it, unfortunately slipping, he had formerly, in a hard labour, knocked out three of the best of them with the handle of it. He tried his fingers. Alas, the nails of his fingers and thumbs were cut close. The deuce take it! I can make nothing of it either way, cried Dr. Slop. The trampling overhead near my mother's bedside increased. Pox take the fellow! I shall never get the knot untied as long as I live. My mother gave a groan. Lend me your penknife. I must even cut the knot at last. Perhaps, Lord, I have cut my thumb quite across to the very bone. Curse the fellow! If there was not another man midwife within fifty miles, I am undone for this bout. I wish the scoundrel hanged. I wish he was shot. I wish all the devils in hell had him for a blockhead. My father had a great respect for Obadiah, and could not bear to hear him disposed of in such a manner. He had, moreover, some little respect for himself, and could as ill bear with the indignity offered to himself in it. Had Dr. Slop cut any part about him but as a thump, my father had passed it by. His prudence had triumphed. As it was, he was determined to have his revenge. "'Small curses, Dr. Slop, upon great occasions,' quoth my father, condoling with him first upon the accident, "'are but so much waste of our strength and source health, to no manner of purpose.' "'I own it,' replied Dr. Slop. "'They are like sparrow-shot,' quoth my Uncle Toby, suspending his whistling, fired against Sebastian. They serve, continued my father, to stir the humours, but carry off none of the acrimony. For my own part, I seldom swear or curse at all. I hold it bad, but if I fall into it by surprise, I generally retain so much presence of mind, right, quoth my uncle Toby, as to make it answer my purpose. That is, I swear on till I find myself easy. A wife and a just man, however, would always endeavour to proportion the vent given to these humours, not only to the degree of them stirring within himself, but to the sight and ill intent of the offence upon which they are to fall. Injuries come only from the heart, quoth my uncle Toby. For this reason, continued my father, with the most seventic gravity, I have the greatest veneration in the world for that gentleman who, in distrust of his own discretion in this point, sat down and composed, that is, at his leisure, fit forms of swearing suitable to all cases, from the lowest to the highest provocation which could possibly happen to him, which forms, being well considered by him, and such moreover as he could stand to, he kept them ever by him on the chimney-piece, within his reach, ready for use. I never apprehended, replied Dr. Slop, that such a thing was ever thought of, much less executed. I beg your pardon, answered my father. I was reading, though not using one of them to my brother Toby this morning, whilst he poured out the tea. Tis here upon the shelf over my head. But if I remember right, tis too violent for a cut of the thumb. Not at all, quoth Dr. Slop. The devil take the fellow! "'Then,' answered my father, "'tis much at your service, Dr. Slop, "'on condition you will read it aloud. 
so rising up and reaching down a form of excommunication of the church of rome a copy of which my father who was curious in his collections had procured out of the ledger-book of the church of rochester read by Ernulphus the bishop with the most affected seriousness of look and voice which might have cajoled Ernulphus himself he put it into dr slop's hands dr slop wrapped his thumb up in the corner of his handkerchief and with a wry face, though without any suspicion, read aloud as follows, my uncle Toby whistling Lelia Bulliero as loud as he could all the time. As the genuineness of the consultation of the Sorbonne upon the question of baptism was doubted by some, and denied by others, it was thought proper to print the original of this excommunication, for the copy of which Mr. Shandy returns a thanks to the chapter clerk of the dean and chapter of Rochester. End of chapters 1 to 2